What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Everything But Hockey. I'm your host, Andrea Helfrich, and we are getting almost ready to start the Flyers 2021-22 season. So I was like, let's get an alumni on the show. And who better than Mr. Playoffs himself, Danny Briere. If you guys follow me on Instagram, I did ask you to submit questions and we got to a lot of them at the very end of the episode. So if you're in a rush, scrub to the end. But honestly, it's worth hanging out with us for the next hour. Uh, If you need any type of motivation or you just want to hear some amazing Flyers stories, this is your episode. All right, let's do it. How is summer going? Fill me in. I can't believe we're almost done summer. I know summer has flown by so fast. Um, lots going on. Uh, the Mariners, first of all, we are rebuilding. Um, the, there was big news yesterday that uh, the Flyers or the Phantoms have hired Riley Armstrong and, and also Jake Rogers. Uh, Riley was our head coach. Jake was our equipment manager. So uh, I have been looking for... Um, a new head coach. And, I was going to say, uh, so they just I mean, stole your talent. They stole, yep, yeah, they stole that. That's uh, Ian LaPerriere and Brent Flar. They came and stole uh, my guys. Um, but I have a little secret. We're going to hire Ben Guite, uh, who was associate head coach at the uh, University of Maine the last few years. So um, nobody knows yet. It's a little bit of a secret, but it's going to come out soon. Does he know? I think he does because he signed the papers. So okay. <laughs> he's on the hook from now on. Now, what goes into uh, recruiting someone for this caliber of a position? Like, it sounds, have you known him for a while? I always feel like these kind of positions come when there is a relationship, a stat, like roots that are laid, right? Yeah. How, do, how do, what goes into that? Well, I've played against Ben uh, when he was with the Colorado Avalanche, um, and he's been in the Boston Bruins organization as well. Um, I've talked to many people that, that know him. Um, he was good friends with Ian LaPerriere as well. Um, so to find out a little bit about, about his background, when you have people that you trust at the ECHL um, uh, league uh, front office as also had some good things to say. And, and since we're affiliating with uh, the Bruins um, starting this season, I also talked to their management about um, who they saw, who they would like as a head coach to work with some of their uh, younger guys. And his name kept coming up everywhere, everybody I talked to. So it was a, a pretty easy decision. Now, what is the onboarding process like for him? And then for you, like, is that now a ton of work, I assume, or how does that play out? Well, at the ECHL level, there's so many rules. Um, There's a salary cap and, uh, you know, you have to wear many hats. Uh, It's not like the NHL where, um, you know, you you have many assistant coach. You only have one. Uh, You don't have three or four or five. Uh, You don't have a service guy who books all your hotels and the buses and the planes and the meals for the players. You have to do that on your own. Uh, Him and I have to keep an eye on uh, the salary cap, like I mentioned earlier, um, the roster, um, the amount of players you can have. And, you know, it it gets we're uh, we're always affected by three teams. So you're affected by the NHL team. If there's an injury, they go and poach someone from their American League team. And in return, they need a player and they come in and take one from us. So you're always affected by three teams. So it's a lot of um, juggling, finding players during the season. Uh, but that's what makes it fun. Um, trying to find players that are 
you know, available somewhere. And um, there's good interactions with it, with different teams in the league to try and help each other out. Now, what is your year look like your season coming up? Because I know in years past, you've spent like half the week in Maine. What, what are you doing? Again, so I, I'll be a little bit more involved with the Flyers uh, on a development side, uh, which is fun. I'll uh, spend some time in Lehigh Valley trying to work with, with the younger guys uh, on their development. Um, so I'll have that going. I'll have uh, the Mariners. Uh, usually I go and spend um, twice a month. I, I'll go up for four or five days at a time during the hockey season. Um, so I'll be bouncing all over the place. But you know what? It's, it, it's what makes it fun. Um, there's always something new. You're always on the go. Um, I really enjoy that. I was going to say, I'm like, that is so your personality because every time we talk, you have eight things on your plate and you <laughs> still have a smile on your face. So I admire it very much. I want to know how you do it, but I don't even Thank think you, you could tell us how you do it. Just you. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Um, I have um, an agenda book that I, I write everything down so I don't get lost because on my phone, it's not big enough. I can't see far down enough. So I keep it all in a book. I it's write better it old school anyway. It feels yeah, better. Yeah. Do you then cross I it feel out? more comfortable. Once, oh, once yeah. you're... I, uh, I'm, I'm a crosser. And I'd like to know when I'm yep, next on to the next thing. Um, Wait, no, so Danny, it, this is a really like mundane question maybe but like for people like me I want to know do you have a planner that you really love and if so can we get it on Amazon I'm dead serious people search high and low for a planner okay. that makes them feel good when you open it you know it's got like a good monthly plan a good daily grid yes well I use the American Express one um yeah, from I'm my looking college. it up right and now while you talk. The <laughs> Did they give that to you with your like membership? Yeah, we get a special deal, I guess, with the membership. Um, I tried to get my wife on it and she didn't really enjoy it. She doesn't like it. Um, it's too big to carry around. Um, Wait a minute, Danny. Is this the American Express 2021 executive leather appointment book? It's on eBay for $1,000. This can't be it. It's called... Yeah, it is the appointment book. Exactly. <laughs> Why is it a thousand dollars? I don't know, but I, I can tell you that I'm not paying that much. That's for sure. <laughs> well, we, I am on eBay, so I have no idea like if this is real, but it looks, it looks very official. Okay. I don't want to rabbit hole too much, but I just needed to ask because <laughs> yeah, that's like a thing at the start of every school year, I would yeah. always be, and I'm still like that. And I've been out of school for 10 years. Um, Okay, let's get back to your, so you write everything down and you just mm -hmm. want to try to stay as organized as possible. Do you have different colors for like the different teams you're working for? So the, the colors come into play uh, for the teams. So obviously the Flyers are in orange um, and then the Mariners are in blue or green. And then I also have the kids games uh, from college at Mercyhurst in Alabama. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different games going on. And then the Phantoms as well. Um, so yeah, I'm you know, keeping up on, on all of them. So usually during the week, there's always a good hockey game to catch somewhere. Yeah. I feel like your monthly layout looks insane with all those different games. And then you have like your kids. I wonder what color they get, like your personal life, <laughs> but that's another thing. Um, okay. So going into this year, like, what are you looking forward to the most? Because things have changed, which you said you, you love and you kind of thrive off of that. What, what do you, like, what's exciting you the most about all these different changes? 
Well, I'm, I'm excited that we're, we're back at work. I'm excited that we'll have fans and buildings. Um, so that I'm really looking forward to, to it. Um, you know, in, in Maine, we didn't even play last year. So, you know, we're, we're a year and a half removed from any kind of hockey game. Uh, we have almost a full new staff um, there, especially on the hockey side, new coaches, trainers, uh, athletic trainers as well. So um, kind of getting everything back in order the way it was with Riley and his staff, because we're constantly talking four or five, six times a day uh, to fix different issues. Um, so I, I got to find or rebuild that chemistry now with, uh, with the new staff. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to working with the young guys, Ian LaPerriere's crew in, in Allentown and going on the ice with, with the young guys as well. Um, and obviously following the Flyers. The, the, that's, uh, you know, the big reason we do all this. It's, it's for the Flyers. Um, so I'm excited to see just with the, the trades that we, we made last week or in the last couple of weeks. That's, I think, very, very exciting. I can't wait to see the, the turnaround. Um, and also the kids. So I follow the kids as well. They're, they're hockey team uh, on the road. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a busy schedule, but it's, it's so much fun. How do you get used to or learn all the new faces? Because like you said, we've had a really busy July um, and we have a lot of new additions. How do you kind of get to know them all? It, I imagine that's a little difficult, but very important. It, yeah, it, it is. And I'm, I'm not good with names. Um, so I really have to work hard at that. But um, I enjoy people and seeing people in the office. And it's, um, it's fun to see people again and not being, you know, cooped up at home waiting for, for things to happen and being on the phone. Um, it's fun that the, uh, the office is reopening and everybody's interacting again. I, I miss that. And I, I feel like m most people did. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, you're such a people person, which that being said, I'm so surprised to hear that you aren't good at remembering names. And I feel like there are a lot of strategies out there that we can implement that I, I need to. So if you guys are listening to this or watching it and you have a good way to remember someone's name, let us know, because that's important. Is it like Dan Danny, yeah. like Dandelion is what's coming to my mind. Why would I remember your name by Dandelion? That's not good. <laughs> See, like, I'm not good at that. But there are ways. But you remember my name, so I don't care. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. Yeah, you've got a busy, a busy agenda coming up. Let's let's go back in time. Our favorite thing to do, Danny. We did this a few weeks back in That's person. Right. Um, and let's just go back to kind of like you becoming the Philadelphia legend that you will forever be. In 2007, you had a lot of choices of places to go, and yet. You, of course, chose the city of brotherly love, and I know you would never go back, but talk me through that decision process and what was going through your mind and not staying in Canada and just all these different elements. No, it was, it was a really nerve-wracking day. I still remember that July 1st, uh, it was 2007, free agency day. Um, I had no idea what was going to happen. And, um, you know, it came down on the wire. There's uh, a lot of teams involved. Um, obviously, everybody knows that the Montreal Canadiens were, were one of the teams. It was my, uh, my favorite team growing up as well. So, you know, my, my heart was telling me to go to Montreal. Um, but when I looked at the, the makeup of the team, what Paul Holmgren was, was doing with, with the Flyers at the time, um, you know, my head was, was telling me, this is the right place for you. This team is going to be competitive for the next 
you know, eight to 10 years um, with guys like Mike Richards and Jeff Carter coming on board. You know, they, they were young, but you could tell that they were, you know, future talents for, for the team. Um, we already have Simon Gagne and Mike Newbold to play with, Paul Holmgren, uh, and made a trade, I think, that same day to acquire uh, Jason Smith, who became our captain, and Jeffrey Lupol. Um, a week before, he had signed Kimo Timonen and Scott Hartnell out of Nashville. So the, the setup was just perfect um, to come up here and, and have success. And um, one of the best decisions that I've, that I've made, um, joining the Philadelphia Flyers. But now the setup was perfect in hindsight, because going in, I imagine you had no idea that the chemistry on and off the ice would be what it was, because no one ever really knows. Um, But you guys just all clicked. What? It's very important to trust your gut. And I imagine you had friends and family being devil and angel on both shoulders, right? Some room for you to go (laughs) opposite places. You obviously listened to your gut. I'm sure there was a lot of fear around that, but like, what was the tipping point for you to just say, you know what, even though I grew up thinking I was going one place and wanted to, and now they want me, I'm going elsewhere. Cause it feels like what, yeah. how, how did you trust? That's a huge life-changing decision. That yeah. And I, yeah. And I, I didn't know the area of Philadelphia. I didn't know uh, much about the team other than what I saw from the outside, which, you know, they had one of the best owner in sports and Mr. Snyder. Um, but what I had on the inside was Marty Baron and Denny Gauthier. Um, they were both players on the team at the time and good friends of mine. And, you know, I was able to, to get some information on, on the city, on, um, how the guys were treated, um, you know, by, by the flyer. So it was, it, it was really cool. It wasn't an easy decision by, by any means, but knowing that I had, um, people that I could trust, mm-hmm. uh, team really made it easier and you mentioned chemistry also um knowing those guys knowing that Simo Gagne would probably be a linemate of 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 mine uh coming here was very exciting as well what do you remember what they told you about the city back then was it like hey there's awesome cheesesteaks too like what do you remember like (laughs) that little nugget that they were like it's awesome it was it was more about where the players were living Mm -hmm. um was about the the training facility mm-hmm. uh, the Flyers had that was um, you know at the time uh, and, and now it's even better than than it was with the, the new renovation uh, a few years ago but um, they were really impressed how they were treated and um, where they were living uh, and and the training facility that, that was the, the the things that I remember the most and how they were raving about the Flyers and that's so important because that's your 90% of your life, right? Like where you're training, where you're playing and yeah. who you're interacting with. So yeah. That's and and the training part. Yeah. And the training part of it too. Um, you know, we spend more time at the training facility than we do playing games at the Wells Fargo. So that's always a big component for, for players. Are you looking at how's the training facility? Is it a, up to standard? You know, that's what you compare from team to team. And um, the Flyers really had something special going there. It makes a lot of sense. And it's something that a pro athlete or a non-pro athlete rather like myself would not think about, but it's so interesting to hear like what your kind of like boxes are, what you were checking off when making the decision right. to come here. That's right. That, that was one of it. Yeah. Now, another box that you had to check was like people liking you and being kind of accepted by this city that is known to be 
um, very, very special, right? We're a very special city and we have a strong bond and we also have a lot of, um, what is the word I'm looking for? It's, I was trying to stay away from that word, Danny, because we all love that word so much. I was trying to be unique, but now I'm flopping. What I was saying is like, we have a lot of pride in where we come from and that we're from here. So we aren't as open to change necessarily. Like, you know what I mean? If you weren't born and raised here is what I was getting at. So you coming in here, not being born and raised here and like having to be accepted, were you scared? A little bit. I I remember being extremely nervous um, early on, you know, especially the first game at the Wells Fargo. You don't know, you know, how the reaction of the fans is going to be. So, yeah, it was it was very nerve wracking early on. Um, But it's funny. I I felt at home uh, pretty quickly. Uh, It's still home to this day. I still live here with uh, with the kids and the family. Um, You know, I. I can't find really a better word to describe it than passionate. I, I love that the fans care about what you do. And that's why um, w- when I hear, you know, fans complain that the Philly fans are, are, are crazy or um, they can't control themselves. For me, um, it, it's a plus. It's a compliment uh, because as an athlete, having the chance to play in front of fans that care about what you do um, is what we play for. So I'm never going to complain. You're never going to hear me complain about the, uh, the Philly fans. I love everything about it. And, and like I said earlier, I think it's a compliment when I hear other fans complain about, uh, about our fans. Yeah, it is nothing but a compliment. And I remember you talking about how you knew what it was like to play against Philly. So when you got to be yeah. playing for Philly and the fans were cheering for you, not booing against you, um, yep. that had to be pretty surreal. Yes, very much. And that, that's a really good point you brought up. Um, I remember coming here, um, my first few games um, playing against the Flyers um, when they were across the street at the Spectrum um, and have the partition on the ice that were all orange. It felt like you were stuck inside this box and you had nowhere to go and you were just waiting to get beat up. Um, it was uh, it was pretty scary uh, to come here and play against the Flyers. And I still remember, I believe it was 2005 or 2006, we played when I was with the Buffalo Sabres. We ended up playing the Flyers in, uh, in the first round of the playoffs. And, um, uh, you know, the first two games we won in, in Buffalo. And then all of a sudden we had to come to Philly to play the next two games. And uh, we got beat up pretty, pretty bad not just with the score, but physically as well. It was such a tough place to play um, that when, when I became a free agent, that's, that's definitely something I remember. I remember how tough it was to come and play in Philly. And um, I was excited to be on the right side from that point on. And then speaking of playoffs on the wrong side, then you're part of playoffs on the right side, your 2010 Stanley cup run, getting all the way to the finals Talk to me about that entire experience. And I remember you told me, like, was it 60 days or what was that total number? Because it feels like an eternity. But when you broke it down, what is, how many days is that? Yeah, well, it's it's two weeks per round on average. Um, so it can vary, you know, 13 to 15 days uh, range, uh, depending on when you play exactly. But you play every other day. Um, so that's, you know, it's two months. It's two months of hockey to get to the Stanley Cup finals. And that's, 
that 2010 playoff run, starting from the last regular season game to clinch in that game to get into the playoffs until, you know, the last game was personally um, and professionally probably the best two months uh, of hockey that I, that I played and being in the zone, being in that bubble uh, was a, a, a moments that I, I will not forget um, having a chance to, to play in front of the fans to see how the city was behind us. Um, it was something special. Do you think it almost helped you guys that it was a little bit of a Cinderella story in the fact that you didn't know if you were even going to clinch game 82, yeah. right? And then you guys did. And then the momentum just kept going and going. And it just, it was almost, you were the underdogs, right? Correct. And, and, and almost pretty much every round, maybe other than the third round against Montreal, because the seven and eight seed uh, faced each other. But yeah, we, we were the underdogs um, in the first round against New Jersey. Um, in a second round against Boston, especially after being down three, nothing, um, nobody expected us to come back. So the, we felt whenever there was adversity, we, we got better. And, and it was a thing during the regular season early on, we didn't play well, there wasn't much on the line. And then all of a sudden we realized we were in trouble and we started playing better and better. Um, and then we had a little dip at the end and all of a sudden we get to the last regular season game and we need to win this game to make, just to make the playoffs. Um, again, we were able to elevate and, and it felt with this team, we always needed that little extra push, uh, but we had the elements, um, and the personalities to show up in the big game, in the biggest games. Um, and that, that's the confidence that that grew throughout the playoffs in the first round, we, we were hit by a bunch of injuries and we were able to get through in the second round. We all know the O3 against Boston, uh, even in game seven, we started, we, we spared them, spotted them a, a three goal lead also, uh, and we were able to come back. It, it was just amazing with this team, how um, we always found a way uh, in the crunch time. And, you know, in game six, we ended up losing game six, the Stanley cup finals, but um, it was three, three, uh, going back to the dressing room, uh, going to overtime. And we were sitting in the room like, all right, this, this is where we want to be. We were convinced we were going to win game six and we were going to go play game seven in, in Chicago. It never happened, but that's the confidence we had. I remember feeling so confident um, that it was just a matter of time before we won it in overtime uh, to send it to game seven. So it was, it was a good feeling. It was probably the more confidence I've ever felt in, in a team that I've played on. And it sounds like in that moment, um, it sounds like you were calm. And I yes. feel like that is the pinnacle of everyone, whatever career path, whatever dream they're chasing, to be at the height of it and have a sense of calm, even though it, it didn't... So, no, go ahead. Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. It, it, and it's so tough to explain how, how to get there. It's, to me, it's really about confidence. Um, even that, that shootout in game 82 to, to make the playoffs. I mean, we were facing Henrik Lundqvist, who's arguably the best shootout goalie um, that we've seen since the, the shootout um, was started. And um, coming down on him, I remember at first when I jumped on the ice to go take my shot, you know, I was thinking, I mean, I, I have to score. We have to make the playoffs. I, I can't let the city down. And then all of a sudden, I was able to clear my mind, completely forget about everything that was going on. Um, and I had that, that calm, confident confidence that I was going to score. And I, I tell people when I came down on Henrik Lundqvist for that shootout, I don't even remember what the fans were doing. I don't know if the fans were sitting down 
waiting for things to happen or if they were standing, chanting, clapping. I, I, I can't even remember. I was able to completely turn it off and it was just me and, and a goaltender and, and all I could see was the net. So it's really a cool, cool moment, cool thing to have that, that calm confidence going into it. And, and we had it throughout the, the playoffs after that. It's like a superpower. I just wish you could bottle up in a jar because you were so locked in. I mean, to not remember what the fans were doing is such, it's incredible that you were able to be that locked into what you had to get done. It just kind of gives me. I wish I could find it again. <laughs> it was a good feeling. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it happens very often. And it's, uh, um, I mean, the fans took us there too. So that, that was the cool thing. Now, uh, we all know you turn on and have turned on during playoffs, and that's how you got the, the nickname Mr. Playoffs. So do you want to talk to me about how, I guess, what got you to that peak of your performance in playoffs? Was it the, this is it, it's do or die time? I, 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 you know, to this day, I'm still trying to find um, an answer or a clear answer. I mean, there's, there's little things here and there that, you know, maybe that's what pushed me um, to play well. I mean, first of all, you know, when you have a good team around you, when you have good teammates to, to put you and push you in that position, it helps a lot. Um, there's the fact, you know, that I, growing up to me, this was the best time of the year. The playoffs, there was no better moment. I remember growing up and my dad would have, you know, three, four TVs watching all the games. It, it was the best time of the year. And, and still to this day, um, when spring rolls around, it's my favorite time of the year. When the playoffs start, especially the first round, I get excited. Um, and when I played, it was, it was the same thing. I really got excited. Um, the other thing that I can think about was um, I, I'm someone that always studied my opponent. Uh, very much. And when during the regular season, when you play a different team every night, you're, you're constantly trying to adjust um, to, you know, new opponents, new goaltenders, new defensemen that you're facing, new centermen that you're taking faceoffs against. Where in the playoffs, when you're playing the same teams for, you know, four of the seven games in a row, you get to know your opponents really well. And, you know, I would always study them and see where can I take advantage of this defense? What is this goalie doing when I come on this angle? If I move that way or this way, does he have a hard time uh, following me? And, and I felt that that would help me. Those, those, this little knowledge and studying the opponent, um, I felt more and more confident every game that went by in the playoffs. So were you literally watching other games, taking notes or was it mental notes or were you, were you like, I know you're a pen to paper kind of guy. That was mental. That was okay. mental. Uh, but in between, in between games, e even during the regular season uh, at night, the TV's on and I'm watching hockey um, and I'm especially watching teams that, um, that I'll face a lot more. Um, you know, I, I would, watch a lot more games of Pittsburgh and the Rangers because I knew I had to face them uh, more often than, you know, teams like the LA Kings or um, the Mighty Ducks. So uh, I focused on the teams that I, um, that I played a lot against, but yeah, every, almost every night, um, if we didn't play, I was at home watching games, watching highlights, um, trying to pick up little things that might help me in the future. And this uh, trait of yours of studying your opponents didn't come about when you were a pro, weren't you doing this since you were younger? 
Yeah, I was always told, and I think it comes down to when, when I was younger, everybody told me, oh, you're, he's too small. He's not going to take it to the next level. Um, you know, and I had to find ways um, to, to adjust that um, component, I guess. You know, being small than everybody else, you have to find other tricks to, to catch up to, to your opponents. And, um, you know, I always felt that when I would line up against someone, I knew them better. Um, so mentally, uh, I was, I was more prepared. Uh, I felt I had an advantage there and, and, and look, it's completely stupid probably. And people are probably laughing at me like you have no clue what you're talking about, but in my head, that's how it felt. And it gave me the confidence that I, that I could, you know, get by anybody or beat anybody, anybody on any given situation. So, um, you know, I, I just found a way that worked for myself basically. Well, I'm going to go and speak for everyone and say it wasn't stupid. No one's thinking it's stupid. You've proven that it worked and a pretty cool way to not just give up. I mean, when you're what, 10, 11, 12, this is probably the time when coaches and parents were saying this to you, like you're too small, I'm assuming right around that time. Yeah, I probably started, I would say, yeah, 11, 12 years old. That's probably when it started. So honestly, let's think about like, I remember myself at that age, like you don't have confidence. You're like going through, you're just starting to go through puberty. Like you're awkward. You, yeah. So for you to take the initiative and think to yourself, okay, I might be small, but I can do this. Like that's, that's really cool. And that's at least my takeaway that I can go apply to aspects in my life, not being a pro hockey player or athlete at all. So I do think it's really cool. Hey, you know, and, and, you know, what's funny is when I started playing juniors in Quebec, there's uh, you know, newspaper articles started coming out about the, the NHL draft or where, where I would end up playing. Um, and, and there was some negative, you know, articles that would come out. And I remember cutting them up and keeping all these articles. Um, I, I'm not sure where that box is anymore. But I, I would go back and, and look at the articles and read the articles, you know, every few, every couple months, just to remind myself that people were doubting me and I had a lot to prove. So that was kind of my, my self-motivation. Oh, whoa, that is powerful. I feel like the way we could um, kind of do that today is all the, the hate that some people get on social media. You just print out the comments. <laughs> and just post them up and use that as your motivation. But wow, that's cool. That's very cool. I'm sure your parents have that box somewhere. I'm pretty sure it's somewhere. We could probably find it if I, if I needed to. What a time capsule. That's cool. That's very cool. <laughs> um, oh, I wanted to ask you, because I always think this is fascinating. In your time in the Stanley Cup run, during those 60 days, can you talk to me about what the day-to-day -day was like? Because I think we as fans, you know, get already and, you know, make our pregame meal, right? Not pre what am I saying? Pregame meal. I'm about to shoot something with the Flyers nutritionist in my kitchen today about the Flyers pregame meals. So that's why I'm talking. But what I mean is like, you know, you're making your dip and your pizza. You're getting ready to watch the game. But what we forget about is you guys are on a strict schedule every second of the day leading up to us watching you hit the ice. So what, what was that like? What, what did that routine look like? It was pretty amazing. Um, we felt when, when you get to the playoffs, there, there's so many people pulling you each and every way. And, and, you know, you have friends and you have 
um, teammates and coaches um, and reporters that want to talk to you and want to know what's going on. Um, the, the team does a really good job of shielding you and putting you in this, in this bubble. And it's hard to explain, but you have the impression that nothing else exists, especially as you move into the second round and the third round. Um, you're in, in that bubble and everybody wants a piece of you, but the team has you sheltered. They have, you know, pregame meal organized for you. They have meetings. They have when you meet the media and you have a certain amount of time. They have people telling you what to eat, um, what time to go to bed. Um, everything is scheduled throughout the day. You almost have no time to yourself other than, than when you go to bed and sleep. And, and that goes on, you know, when we got to the Stanley Cup final, that went on for two months, every day. You, you know, you wake up, they tell you what time you need to be at the rink, what to eat, meetings, ice, um, game, pregame nap, like you have everything organized. And then all of a sudden it ends. And I remember waking up the next morning, completely exhausted from, you know, a two month playoff run. And then all of a sudden, nobody wants you. Nobody wants to talk to you. Nobody um, has anything organized for you. It was the weirdest feeling waking up the day after, um, not having to report anywhere, nobody making food for you. Nobody wanted to talk to you uh, for quotes or anything like that. Um, it, it felt like we completely got forgotten um, the day after. So it was, it was a really... Cool feeling when you're in the bubble. It's super, super intense. Um, but, um, you know, the next day when you wake up, it's it's really different. We had to readjust uh, completely. I was going to say, you know, change is hard for anyone. So first, you probably are being told when to eat and nap. And you're like, what is, like, I mean, you're, you're excited. So you're taking it. But, you know, you're like, okay, this is a lot. And then by the end of it, you, you adjust. So you're used to that. So then you wake up and you're like, wait. Yeah. Do I eat oatmeal today or what's on, what's on the menu? Which uh, speaking of food, because I'm, like I said, we're filming this uh, with the nutritionist for the team. Did, what was your pregame, postgame? Did you have like a meal that you absolutely love that gave you a ton of energy? I think like most players, uh, the day of the game, it was always pasta and um, chicken, usually chicken parm. Um, that's what most players eat uh, in the afternoon and, and after games you're trying to reload um, and I remember you know in the playoffs losing a lot of weight so it was a protein shake right after the game and then you, you get into a big meal and uh, you know what's weird is you have breakfast in the morning you have lunch around 12 30 and then you have a little snack before the game because you, you don't want your stomach grumbling during the game and then you have another big meal after the game um, to get the How are you back. losing weight during this? Uh, I, I think the, the stress of, of everything uh, going on, um, it, it's mostly, yeah, I, I would say it's, it's just a stress uh, component. Um, and, and I wasn't equipped to lose a lot of weight. I needed to keep as much weight on as possible. So um, the team did a fantastic job of providing the players, you know, and they still do. Um, you know, with food throughout the day to, to, to keep you um, healthy as, as much as possible uh, to get through the, the playoff grind um, of, you know, especially when you're going for two months to the Stanley Cup finals. How many calories do you think that you were consuming a day during that time? Because it sounds like a ton of food. Was it yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the numbers. Um, I, I would say it's, it's probably 
I would guess, but in eight to 10,000 to stay on top of it. Wait, wait, wait. you broke up a little because of Wi-Fi. Did you say eight to 10,000 calories a day? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, approximately. That's that's the range. Say, yeah. I I literally was thinking four thousand. I thought four thousand. Yeah, how you lost weight with consuming? Okay, because I mean, what's the normal? It's two thousand a day, right? That's the normal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, a lot more than that. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Um, Okay. I I didn't realize I have to get to this. I asked people to, if they wanted to ask you questions and we got quite a bit. So I haven't vetted these yet. So I'm going to just. Just a second. I just need to plug my computer in. Yeah, do your thing. All right, we're back. I apologize. No worries. Also, while we're taking a little moment. Do you have any tabs open? The Wi-Fi kind of was going out a little. So sometimes when there are other tabs, it steals the Wi-Fi. Okay. So if you just exit out, that helps. Yeah. And I, will, I have one. Hopefully, hopefully it's better. Yeah. It was just like a moment, basically when you told me you were eating like a horse, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um okay. I'm going to start off with an easy softball question. When you had the chance, where would you go for your cheesesteak in Philly? Um, Jim's Steak. Okay, that's a good one. All right. It's right by me, that's why. What'd you say? You said it's right by you? It's right by my house. Yeah. What's one thing you miss about being on the team? I think I know the answer to this. I'm going to write it down while you say it. You, you can say it. I'm writing it down to just test myself. Yeah. Just being with the guys. Oh, Danny. Okay. I mean, you can see it down here. Yeah. Being with the guys. That's right. And, you know, we're, we're, we're so spoiled. Um, we're, we're always with our friends. We travel everywhere. Um, you know, we play a game for fun. Um, you know, cards on the plane, cards on the plane is a big one, uh, dinners, you know, on the road with, with the guys. Um, I always joke that I, I would, I would say during the hockey season, I spent more time with my teammates than I did with my own family. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You're married to them and you know, your wife is a saint and then she gets you afterwards. So yeah, the, uh, the poor wives, it's, it's not an easy lifestyle. Um, there's a lot of good um, but there's, there's a lot of lonely time for, for the wives in there. Um, I, I think we're all very appreciative of, uh, uh, the support they give us. For sure. And now you're giving her the support because isn't she, she's studying, she's in school, living out her dream. That's right. Uh, Misha is, uh, she's actually a resident in internal medicine. It's her third year. So it's, uh, it's a lot of hours, but it's, it's finally her time. Third year, but 11th year of of medical school, right? That's right. That's correct. I just, that's, that's so impressive. Go her and go you. Cause you guys are just living, living each other's dreams, just in the right, you know, yin and yang. That's right. We're trying to anyway. Yeah. That's all you can do. Uh, who do you think is going to have a breakout year for the flyers this season? A breakout year. 
Um, a breakout year. And I guess that could be someone new, a veteran, someone currently on the team. Yeah, I, I mean, everybody knows about Ellis, how good and steady he's been for a lot of years. Um, I think Ristolainen has taken a lot of flack in, in Buffalo, uh, but I, I can see him really rejuvenating in, in the Flyers uniform. I'm, I'm really excited, excited to see him play for us because um, you know, he's one of the toughest players to face. I hated facing him. Um, I think he's, uh, he's going to be a force for us. And um, I think the, what people see of him will, will change. Uh, the view of him will change uh, after he, he wears the Flyers uniform. Okay. Wow. And part of that is our job, like making sure we bring out the best of him off the ice while, you know, combined with his performance on the ice. So, okay. we. Will I, I hear he's a lot of fun off the ice too. So he, he might be a good interview for you. I was going to say, so speaking of what advice would you give me or any other broadcasters in sports that we're not talking about what the athletes eat, breathe, and sleep. We're not talking about the game. We're doing entertainment, uh, personality-driven content. What advice do you have for me to get that out of our players? Oh, boy. Uh, that's a tough one. You're putting me on the spot. Um, I, I think whenever you're, you're able to make the person or the player um, feel comfortable, I think that's when they relax and you know, the, the answers, they'll start talking a lot more. Um, okay. A lot of the players are afraid of doing interviews, um, mm -hmm. say something wrong. But the key is to make them feel uh, comfortable. Uh, I think they'll, they start talking a lot more. I should take a note out of your book and start studying their previous interviews, seeing where it goes wrong <laughs> yeah. and then steering clear. Because seriously, I love that you did that. Um, okay, that's good advice, Danny. Thank you. Um, Mm -mm. Worst part of having G live with you? <laughs> I'd say how messy he was in the kitchen. But, Calling uh, him out. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he calls me out all the time too, so I, I owe him. Um, Return the favor. But, but it was it was so much fun having him around, um, having a chance because. You know, I was getting a little older. I was, I think when he moved in with me, I was 32 um, and he was young. He was 21 or 22 at the time. And just having the bond with a younger guy on the team, um, it got me closer with, with the younger guys. It kept me in touch um, with the, the younger crew on, on the team. Um, it, it was, it was a blessing. You know, people will say, oh, Danny was so nice to invite him to his, his house to live with and honestly, it, it was, you know, he did a lot for me too. Um, having me, having the chance to keep me young, keep me closer mm -hmm. to the younger guy was, uh, was definitely a blessing. As well. I was going to say that probably invigorated you a little bit. You know, you got to yeah. see the sport and game you love through fresh eyes. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, you tend to forget a little bit um, the good things about the game when, when you're in it, um, that kind of reopened my eyes to it a little bit all right so we'll give him we'll cut him some slack he was messy but he was like 21 that's right that's right <laughs> um where did you get where did he get his now trademark goal selly from 
I started doing that. Uh, I think I, the first time I did it, I was 15 years old. Um, and I kept it going when I played uh, major junior in Canada uh, afterward. And, you know, when I turned pro, it just, it just followed me. Um, it was an instinct after that. Uh, you know, whenever we, we were in a bad game where we were up by five or six goals or we were down by, by a few, you don't want to show off. You don't want to uh, do the, the, the trademark. And I really had to think about it. If, if I, score, I, I can't do it when you're, you're down five, nothing, then you score a goal. You don't want your, your fist <laughs> bad luck. Score. But it, it, it was just instinct by that point. And, and it came naturally after I scored that I, I had to remind myself at times when the, uh, you know, um, when the moment wasn't correct. Right. You Did know, you so ever I, like I your really muscle hurt. memories like going and then you're like, stop, we're losing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, tr you try to help back, but it's, it's already started. Um, it happened a few times. I'm sure that's cool though. Um, are you still close with your former roommates? So remind me who your former roommates were and are we still close with them? So G and Coots, um, definitely. We, I, I still talk to them quite a bit. Um, sometimes it's, you know, when to ride the wave with them when things are going well. And sometimes we'll just chat when, when things are going south, like last season, it was a rough season. Um, so we'll just have some, some talks here and there, but yeah, we're, uh, we're still pretty close. I have a lot of respect for them. They, they did a lot for me. Um, so, uh, you know, and when, when you, when you live with someone, you get to know a lot more personally about them. So we have that bond and we'll probably stay with us with each other for, for quite a while. Yeah. Your family forever. So once you have that kind That's of experience, right. Any, uh, any qualities about Coots that we should know about? Well, Coots was so organized. Um, I, I remember, and he was 18 and, you know, he moved in and I, I, I you know, one of the interaction we had one day as uh, I asked him about, you know, do you need help with your finance? Do you need help with opening a bank account or, um, you know, getting a credit card or he's like, no, 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 I got it. I have it all under control. And, I reconcile all my, uh, my credit cards and uh, my bank account. And I was looking at him. I said, you're 18 years old. Why are you doing this? He's like, oh, I, I just, you know, took it upon myself to, uh, to start early. So he was, he was extremely mature early on. He, he was very, very impressive. Um, you know, you, you can tell in just the way he plays the game. He's got a very mature hockey game as well. Uh, he, he was impressive, but the funny part with, uh, with Sean was that when, whenever his parents would come and visit, um, he would be upstairs playing video games with my boys and I would be downstairs hanging out with his parents, you know, with a glass of wine over dinner. So, um, it, it was, uh, it, it was fun. I, I think my, my kids really enjoyed them. They were, you know, just two or three years from each other. So they, they have that special bond with him. Um, that's, that's I love the most about, you know, that interaction or uh, when he moved in with us. That's so special. It, and now I'm picturing like Sean cleaning up after Claude because he's the organized one. <laughs> so Claude's like messy in the kitchen. Sean's like cleaning it up. That's oh yeah. Sean was very organized. Aw. <laughs> um, someone we know asked who are his favorite neighbors? And I'll give you a hint. Her first name's Gina. 
yeah and you know and it's it's so sad to see ghosts leaving um you know we live to we're living two houses door at two doors from each other uh right now so shane being traded to phoenix was uh was a big blow um we were really close to them both gina and shane uh we love them both tremendously um so it's it's sad to see him leave but I think he'll have a great opportunity um, there in Phoenix. He'll get to play a lot, and they really need him. So, you know, it's sad to see that, but at the same time, I'm excited for uh, for both of them. Yeah, they've got a new opportunity, and, you know, they're young. They're getting there. Yeah, lots of time to go in his career. And, and Gina is very impressive as well. She has her own career. Um, so um, I, I've been really impressed with both of them. Gina was uh, on the show, actually my very first guest on Everything But Hockey. And so if you guys haven't seen or heard that episode, she is a nurse in the NICU at Children's Hospital. So very impressive to say the least. And uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he, uh, now I understand more of why her and your wife probably have that common ground in, in the medical <laughs> field. Yeah, they, they really understand each other. Um, they're used to getting up early and spending long hours at work. So yeah, they, they have that bond. Yeah, uh, it takes a special kind of person to do what they do. Um, let's see. I feel like we already answered this one, but I'll just shout it out. He was great in the playoffs. What was it that helped him play so well? But I feel like we, what? Yeah, I, you know, and again, I, I don't have a clear answer. So I, I was just rambling on earlier. Uh, <laughs> Um, I, I don't have much else to, to add to it, unfortunately. I feel like my takeaway from what you had said is it was the adversity that y'all faced as a team and everyone kind of thinking it wasn't going to happen. And it made you guys more committed to proving that you could win every single game. Correct. Yeah. And, and the confidence that, that grew from that, right. You know, um, when, when, when your your back is against the wall and you find a way out and it happens again and again and again, that, that confidence grows that you're you're gonna find a way. I don't know who needed to hear that today, but I'm gonna take that and remember to harness the confidence when I get it. You know, sometimes we achieve things and we just let it go because life is busy, but the next win that you achieve, harness that feeling and just let it propel you to the next level, baby. I don't know. I love talking to Danny. It gets He just is like so motivational and shares so many amazing stories. And thanks to you guys who submitted your questions. That is always fun for me. And if you're not already, make sure to smash the subscribe button. Be sure to follow Everything But Hockey. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think of this show, this episode. And if you haven't already, give us a rating. Until the next one, stay safe and stay healthy. Bye, guys. Bye.